so this would be the inaugural episode of gaming from A to D. I think that's that might be what we have here. We don't know. We'll see. We don't know. We don't know yet. We'll see. We don't know yet. But we'll see. I mean, we both have a love for gaming. Uh, I've been in the gaming industry, good God, about 15 plus years. Um, and I just love everything about it. And I, I just kind of fear for where it's going now. Um, I don't know what you say, A. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say a fear. I'm interested in seeing where gaming goes from okay. that point. I really am uh, interested in evolution because when I really look at the scope of gaming, it's not really about how the games have evolved. It's been more about how you play the games. Because hmm. so, the purpose of most games are usually about there. It's pretty much the same. So everything kind of the same. So, you know, looking at where things are going right now, what what are you? I, mean, I guess I guess my question would be: What are you doing as a gamer? Are you a console gamer? Or are you a PC gamer, mobile gamer? You I'm know, a, I'm an ex console uh, reinvented mobile gamer. Okay, <laughs> okay, mobile gaming. It's yeah, accessibility and and, <clears throat> and the, just the accessibility. So having the freedom to be able to do it wherever you want to. Okay. Pick it up on the fly. I have a few minutes to kill. I can spend about five, ten minutes going to game, pull out, and there's no penalty for not playing it for an extended period of time. So you think console gaming has a penalty for not playing it? Uh, yeah, especially if you're playing multiplayer games like Call of Duty. You kind of need to be on top of your game, grinding out on a daily basis. You have to be home. You have to be stationary to do that in order to climb that ladder and get those accessories and power-ups that you're trying to acquire. I can see that. I, I, I think one thing that you know I look at as being, I will say I'm an ex-console uh, gamer. We actually used to game together back in the day on console, right. um, on the 360. Um, and I got in a little nostalgic mode this weekend. I pulled out the Renegade version of uh, DJ Hero and actually turned on my Xbox, my Xbox 360 <laughs> for the first time in like four years. And it had like 29 updates before it would let me do anything. Yeah. Um, and it's not even their major console at this point. I think one of the questions that I have, and this is something that I pose to you and I pose to our listeners out there, um, as they grow, right? Our listeners will grow. They're coming. Right. Um, is what do you think about this generation of mid-console refresh? This is the first time we've ever seen consoles do something that's more akin to what I'm used to in the PC gaming world. Um, so they've done the system to add, add a new uh, hardware. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, this what what Sony did is something that's that has been unheard of in the gaming in the console gaming world, right? Where it's only been like two or three years, and they're already kicking out a new PlayStation Pro to address 4K issues, get more power out of the system, um, and then Microsoft right now, of course, I think this year launches their new Scorpio project which is a refresh of the Xbox, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a whole new, I think it may be, may be a whole new system. Um, but it's, you know, the Xbox 360 kind of created the the generation longevity. I mean, it was around right. for almost 15 years. I mean, in some ways, almost 15 years. Right. It had at least 10 years out there before they ever thought about going in a different direction. Right. And then the, I think the Xbox One was, was um, it, it was, it, it it had fanfare behind it, but I don't think that it was the killer console that people wanted it to be. 
Um, I think that PlayStation Four when they when they announced the twenty four hour, I think that was the big thing that. So the twenty four hour monitoring, monitoring that they thought was going to be there instead of telling people they should have just did it. <laughs> should have just did it because I mean, and now in actuality, I mean it's connected. Yeah, hours. I mean that, that would be the, that would be the question: Was there an advantage for them telling people that it's going to no. be on twenty four seven? No, there was no advantage to it. Uh, to freak out. Uh, yeah, a lot of the features that I think were supposed to come from that um, that feature set got killed. You know, um, they were going to do family sharing of games. Like one person in the family could buy the game, and then you share it to share anybody it. else on that Xbox console, which is something I'm very used to because. Being an ex-console uh, player and now having moved to PC, that's what Steam allows me to do. Right. I can share that with you know, my significant other. She can play right. whatever games are in my library. I can play games that are in her library. And I can sign into a computer and download any game that I want to. They're all digital. So, um, But what do you think about this mid-console refresh? And I guess how it's going to affect gamers moving forward. Do you think gamers are going to want to invest in a new Scorpio from Microsoft when they just... Invested in the Xbox you know One or Xbox I think One? A lot of, I'm not okay. I'm not going to say a lot, but um, I think the younger generation is more. It's not as divided as our generation was. Okay. Younger generation, a lot of them play console, and a lot of them still have their PC. So that adjustment, that change, I think the cost of it is going to be the biggest determining factor. Switching our consoles and switching to uh, updating your your stuff or your uh, your hardware is not that big of a change. I mean, when you think about it, you switch out your phone. Well, every two years, right? Every, you know? year, every year to two years, depending yeah. on who you are. I'm, so, I'm, I'm a T-Mobile user, so every right. two years. <laughs> and your phones, <laughs> these phones cost as much as buying a console nowadays. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, and I think, I think that that's very interesting to look at it that way because... At least I look at it like this. When I was an Xbox 360 user, you know, and, and you and a couple of other people from that time period, you guys were the ones that pulled me into the Xbox microcosm. I played Guitar Hero 2 for the very first time, and I was sold. I need to, I went up and bought an Xbox that weekend, got all the, got the controllers, everything else for it, and I was like, I'm Xbox now. Um, yeah. And I had been Nintendo, a Nintendo console fanboy for years. That's, um, a, that's an interesting point you're going to bring up because I, 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 I feel a certain way about that myself. So for me, over, the, over that 10 years of being an Xbox 360 player, I have four Xbox consoles. Um, and they all yeah. still work. They all actually do still work. I bought them because they were special edition consoles. So I was a part of that brand. And I have about 300 purchased Xbox games. And these were not... You know, GameStop, second-hand purchase, these were like, you know, right when they came out, brand new games. Um, so I had a significant investment in 360, and I believe that if it had not have lasted 10 years, I never would have made that investment. So for me, I find it kind of hard that now, you know, uh, Sony is pulling out their, their Sony Pro, and it's like, okay, now you want me to spend money and get this Pro version of this. Yes. But you say it all works together, but you know we're finding that it's not really true. It doesn't really work the same way from the Pro to the regular uh, PlayStation 4. Um, and then this, at the same time, PlayStation is starting to look at going to a whole streaming concept. So it's like, what are you guys trying to do? I fear. I, fear. <laughs> I, I think um, they're trying to tap into as many markets as possible. 
they're trying to take, you know, try to try to see how much they can get in each avenue as far as streaming. Because I, I do believe streaming is probably going to be the next go around. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had, um, uh, what is it? Uh, PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now was 20 bucks a month. And because there was a lot of games on PS3, I didn't realize how much I liked the PS3 until I wasn't no longer playing the PS3. Because um, when, when, when I had it, you know, when you had it, it was like, like an uh, old chick that, that was real. Yeah, PS3 is the old chick. He's the old chick. I didn't appreciate it when she was around. Same now thing like Dreamcast. Now right. she's gone. Now she's gone. You're like, damn, that was a bad bitch. Um, <laughs> so, you know, now it's kind of like, oh, I miss her. And so, you know, because I'm looking at games like God of War. Which really were killer apps for the PlayStation, and with PlayStation Now, I was able to pay twenty bucks and play every game on PS3 without having to download it. Now they didn't update the graphics; they didn't make it HD or anything. It was still a 720p experience. Scott, and I'm curious about that. Did, did is the nostalgia really that strong towards those games, where those things are no longer factors, and when you go back? play retro games. It really is. I think that it is. I think that playing retro right now blows my mind. Not for the simple... Because because for me, as a gamer, those games really engage me on a level that a lot of modern titles do not. Okay. Um, you know, I love the Assassin's Creed series, but looking at what Assassin's Creed started at and where it is now, it's just a rolling franchise. Which, you know, it's fine. You know, you can... It's just like any other thing. You can have the filler pieces in there but it doesn't engage me the same way that it used to because now i expect that i'm going to go into the dna play this jump run up some buildings and then i'll uncover the story it's not like like fences metro where because they because the the assassin's creed is kind of a saturated franchise where on their fifth or sixth installment uh, I think it might even be more than that, and they're planning their I mean, new that's one. That's not including apps. That's not including the apps and the and the DLC side stuff. And I know you're talking games. about some DLC stuff too, right, but right. Um, you know, I, I think that the thing that's interesting to me is that as gaming has evolved, <clears throat> so many people are going harkening back to the old days. But I but I think it's the old school gamers. I don't think it's the cats who. And when I say the cats, I mean like the. Um, Late nineties, early two thousand babies so going back to So you don't think the millennials are going no, back in retro games? Millennials. No, I think the, the the younger generations, the ten and unders, appreciate the stylized and the and, and the platform with you know, those games used to be in and how much you can do and how challenging it was with the millennial group. First person shooters all the way, man. So okay, that would bring up the if question they're not of constantly engaged and it's not just those, shoot, 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 shoot. Those games used to make you think. Well, you know, then it goes back to a question of who do you think was buying the um, NES Classic? You know, they did the little NES Classic bundle that came out. Right. And it had like 20 games already on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since that, in which they, they discontinued that. So if you're listening to this in the future, uh, this podcast <laughs> in the future, the, the NES Classic is no longer no being sold. Exists. Nintendo said that they were, they're not going to do any more production of that, at least for right now. They're talking about doing an SNES classic and releasing that. Nah, that'd be dope. Um, you know, and I, it's funny because I was thinking about this today when I was when I was driving home. I was thinking, yeah, I do this. I think about games as I drive around because I'm a gamer. I can't. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud. 
Um, but I was thinking about the nostalgic feel that I get when I think about Nintendo and even looking at stuff from like early Microsoft, even Sony, Nintendo always felt, I always felt the most connected to Nintendo because I felt like they understood my story as a, as a gamer. Like they understood, I grew up with them and I watched Nintendo grow up with me. Which is very interesting. I watched Mario turn from blocks to his three character. Yeah. And he feels like a brother. Which is weird. I know. I don't want to have any kind of relations with Mario. But. <laughs> the evolution of Mario has been awesome. But I mean, at Nintendo always had those games that tested your your thought process. And really made you dig, dig in deep and challenge yourself. Most of them weren't linear games. Like the Metroid franchise i'm just waiting for them to revamp that i feel like that was one of the greatest franchises that got slept on do you think that talking about retro and and new do you think that the retro that the um, metroid reimagining was worthy of its predecessors so what what rare studios or what retro studios was able to do with the Metroid trilogy, did it harken back to 100%. that original? Okay. Because you never lost that feel. It was just presented you, to you in a different manner. It was different presented manner. to you from Samia's perspective versus uh, a 2D side-scrolling, but it never lost the feel of the um, the maze. It was a maze. Yeah. And now, like, from now you have your own perspective of what it looks like going through this maze and moving in through this three-dimensional environment versus... Uh, you know, you had to remember which block was which block. <laughs> so you didn't fall is, off? Still, yeah, fall off this block at this angle. But You're looking yeah, at Mother Brain? It just challenged you, and especially once they brought it over to the Wii. In the Wii, you had to use the motion sensor, and it, and it made the aiming more precise. And see, okay, that goes back to something else that I think about a lot, is that Nintendo, as much as they have always kind of been ridiculed at times by the rest of the gaming industry. They were bringing on some stuff that was ahead of its time. They were the innovators. Yeah. The I have a power glove. Right. It still works. Wii mode is just a modern age power <laughs> it's glove. It's a modern age power glove. You know, I remember the shirts, the uh, actual t-shirts that came out from Sony when the N64 came out. And they had a t-shirt with a third armhole in the middle of the t-shirt making fun of. You got to have three arms to play this thing. But the Nintendo 64 controller became the de facto standard. Yes. Of what an analog controller was, yes. was, was supposed to be. Um, and I think sometimes, I said, in some ways, it still kind of is. Because um, I still could get in some GoldenEye 007. And, and, uh, you know what? I was a lame. I was I was a hipster. I never wanted to play with the cool kids were playing. Everybody's so trendy, so I'm not playing GoldenEye. I'm going to play something more challenging. You, you missed it. You missed it because it uh, yeah, was beautiful. No. It was a beautiful I experience. I got on to like the later versions of it. And it was like, damn. Yeah the the original the original N sixty four stuff. No, that that's where it was at. I mean, that was it was funny. I posted some pictures on Instagram uh, probably two weeks ago. I was at home uh, in South Carolina and I was looking through a lot of my old game systems and I didn't realize how Nintendo heavy I was. I had every system. I had two. I had two NES video games from late eighties up into two thousand, up into the evolution of the PlayStation. When you played Nintendo, yeah, but his Sega just felt like it was too cool for you to want to be on it. I mean, it was the name of gaming 
Oh, you over there? You 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 Nintendo in? You over there playing that Nintendo? <laughs> it became a verb. Yeah, it wasn't even gaming anymore. It was like, oh, he back there on that Nintendo. He on that Mario. He's Nintendo in back there. That's like something she do in private. <laughs> um, so you know, so I mean, I I kind of I feel a lot of the things that you're saying. You know, the fact of, um, I don't know. I I think the millennials do actually play a lot of the retro games i think that it's something it's like looking in your parents closet and finding yeah uh, um a lava lamp but it's only cool for about 10 minutes and you're like yo this is the dumbest shit i've ever seen when like like pokemon go right the nostalgia (laughs) was cool and then it wore off real fast and that's just because they dropped the ball on a few features i guarantee if they would have uh had a multiplayer function it would have had more success I agree with that. I agree with that. So, another question. Mobile gaming. Mobile gaming. Because right now, as we're recording this, you are playing mobile games. I am. Star Wars, Galaxy of Hero, and my ass off. And Star Wars, that's the EA, isn't it? Yeah, it's EA. It's EA. So, if you hear this EA, we need sponsorship. EA Capital Games. I am a Star Wars (laughs) fanatic. I'm cracked out on this. I probably invest more time on this game than I've had I've done on a console game in the past year. Wow. So you're putting hours into... Uh, yeah, but it doesn't feel like it because I figure I play like 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there. You do that about five times in a day. Got about... You spread it out over there. Yeah, yeah okay. I was invested in it versus me sitting down for three hours in the front of a console and you realize three hours have passed. Yeah, and you know what's really funny, and I think this goes. I think this for me this goes back to a lot of people hate EA. I don't hate EA. I want your money. No, I don't hate EA. I think I think that you know a lot of times gamers get confused about business and the love of the game. Yes, because EA is in it to make money. Yeah, every company is in it to make money. You know, bottom line, they they have to make money so they can keep making games. But one thing that I will say for EA is that a lot of their mobile games are really, really engaging. Um, I'm a huge I'm a huge city builder game player, so I like things like City Skylines. But the original, of course, is always going to be Sim City. I have Sim City on PC. They dropped the ball on a lot of things when they did when they first came out with it. Now it's actually cool if you ever want to play SimCity on PC. But they have a SimCity for mobile. And I, over the last past two weeks, I got totally addicted to playing SimCity on mobile. Um, I was sitting there like, oh, I only got two more hours so I can build this, <laughs> I can build this boat and I can start getting cargo ships to come to my city. Okay, this cool. This is cool. I gotta get like this, you know, some things that make sense. Like I needed a a, a turnip, a hammer, and four nails to make a building. I, I didn't care. I was I was trying to build the stuff that was gonna do it. The turnip. So how do you think that companies? And the question really is how do you how do you see mobile gaming evolving? It has will it completely or will it start to eclipse like PC gaming or console gaming or is it its own market by itself that? You know, is finding its own I maturity. Think, I think the fact that it's its own market, because uh, I think it's a different different demographic of people playing mobile games that than there are people playing console games. People who play console games are um, in it for the long haul. For instance, you're paying 
three, four hundred dollars for a piece of equipment that you expect to be using over an extended period of time. And then you also have to make the investment of joysticks, uh, any other accessory that comes with it, headset, uh, and then the actual game itself. Uh, mobile gaming, most of the games are free, freemiums. Okay. And the money is made on the back end, hoping that your game is successful and it gains some leeway, then people are going to be willing to spend money and invest in your game. And uh, it's all about marketing for mobile games. So I think as the technology gets better on the mobile side, that the games were improved. No different. I mean, it's already been shown in test of time from Snake, the original Snake on the flip phones. Okay. And to... On the Nokia's. Right, on the Nokia's and to what we play on our smartphones. So I think mobile game is... Uh, most people who play mobile games are on the go and they wouldn't consider themselves gangers. Think about that. 65-year-old man, 45-year-old man who plays the Clash of Clans is not going to consider himself a gamer. But he is a gamer. But he is. Yes. But not by <laughs> his standards of what he thinks a gamer is. Because, trust me, I get a many of people where I, actually, I start talking about video games and they're looking at me like, you're a gamer? Yes, don't let the beard and the locks fool you. Uh. Yeah, I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer. You know, and what's funny is, as you're talking about that and kind of talking about what the mobile scene is at, right now there's about five games that are actually leading in esports. Because right now, a big thing right now for companies, and we're here in Atlanta, Georgia, and CNN is making a, Turner and CNN, if you don't know what those are, they're big, look them up. Um, they are actually investing heavily in building an esports stadium here in Atlanta. Um, I've met a couple of people over the last past week that want to actually make esports and make Atlanta a premier place for esports. Which is very interesting because we do have about 80 gaming companies here in Georgia, which no one really Not knows about. That, you got to think the airport could support. Yeah, it's an international, international airport. It's a major hub international airport. major hub. Um, man, that would be crazy. So thinking about that in that vein, I've, uh, I'm looking at there's like five games and three of these I've played and, and two of them I've, I've never heard of. Um, that are really big in the mobile. And I would get to think about what I'm saying. I'm saying mobile esports. So not the tournaments that are, you know, like the, the professional players league that are playing like Call of Duty four on four. This is like playing on a mobile device, like a tablet or a phone. So Vainglory is the very first one. It is a MOBA. So it is an esports MOBA. It was released in 2014 for the iOS and July 2015 for Android. And they just had a uh, European Union uh, competition that had a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar prize pool, and they're a mobile. They're a mobile game. Um, Clash Royal, which I've never never yeah. heard or played of this one. So you've you've heard of Clash Royal? I, I started off on it when it first. Is that Clash of Clans? It is from the same developers. Okay, um, and then Hearthstone. Hearthstone comes in from from Blizzard. Realistically, um, and everybody, you know, anybody Blizzard is probably playing World of Warcraft, and then Blizzard kind of spun that off and did like their little Hearthstone, Hearthstone card card game, playing game. Um, and then there's World of Tanks coming in at number four. World of Tanks Blitz at number four. I haven't played that one. It looks like they've got uh, about eight thousand people watching, hundred fifty thousand viewers on stream. I'm gonna download uh, Clash Royale. Clash Royale, and then uh, the prize pool for uh, tank Blitz is like 300 grand. And then the last one is Critical Ops. I've never heard of this one. I've never heard of Critical Ops ever. 
but it is. That doesn't mean it's not good. I just never, I've never heard of it, and I know I say that. Okay, so it's like playing. It's like CS:GO, from from what I'm looking at. I don't even play CS:GO. CS:GO. Eh, there's people that play CS:GO. You know, there's tons of people that are in the east that are in the e-game space that love CS:GO. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan of CS:GO, but. Um, you know, but the, I, th- I think the the thing that's interesting is that these have gotten to be at the same level of their console counterparts, if not bigger. You know, I, I, I just Clash Royale surpassed Boom Beach. I can never see somebody sitting on their phone playing an esports game. So, what Clash? We're looking at Clash of Clans, thirty five million downloads, and that's just on Android. That's just on Android. Okay. So, people over there at Clash of Clan, we need sponsors. We're looking for sponsors and sponsorship. Clash and then Clash Royale has, has 13 million on Android Marketplace. And okay. Off about a year. So, you're talking about close to like 50 million downloads and probable users. Even if you want to say half of the people are still playing it, you still got 25 million people that are playing it. So they're going to make their money off of microtransactions, microtransactions. and you know because I got to have a blue hat for my warrior <laughs> in Clash of Clans because blue's my favorite color, you know. But I mean, you know, it's it's really I look at it's very interesting how gaming how it's all just changed and 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 where where it is now. You know, everybody's now everybody now is, is throwing their bid in with uh, VR too. How, what do you? <laughs> oh, uh-oh. I, 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 I can't wait to be honest. Finally, it gets some ground. Because, I mean, this is a concept that's been around since, what, the, the 90s? VR, realistically, VR, and it's funny. I just did a, I just did a, a, a talk on VR Monday um, down at the, uh, at the meeting spot uh, in downtown. I want to thank them for having me out there. Um, but we... <laughs> VR has literally been around since the 30s. They made head-mounted displays in the 30s. They actually had um, 30s and uh, like stereoscopic displays. Like early ones were in the 30s, and, and when I'm talking about electronic, right? So they were still they were still pictures. So almost like um, um, pictogram type things. And then by the 50s, 60s, they actually had electronic screens that were. Um, kind of isolating people from from a space. This is the way I look at it, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. But I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to talk about the things that other people want to talk about. <laughs> um, that's I'm what here to make friends. <laughs> I want friends. Follow me. You follow, can follow me. Follow me. One seven Instagram account. Yes, I'll be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll be doing that. We're actually going to be doing a Patreon and uh, and a Twitter um, a Twitter account for um, gaming from A to D. But you can also find me on DRD Media at uh, Twitter. But this is the thing that that I get from VR. I do not think VR is going to last. I think VR is going to do what it's always done. It gets really built up and then trends out and then trickles away. Because the thing about it, unless you're talking about mobile VR, if you're talking about mobile VR, then it might have a chance. But look at something, and this is, I know this is not gaming, so hold, hold with me, people, hold with me, everybody. If you look at something like 3D televisions, 
Three years ago, every television manufacturer came with a pair of glasses. You could get glasses, have at home. You had a 3D Blu-ray player, 3D, 3D, 3D. All the movies were coming out in 3D, 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 3D. This day, as of April 20th, 2017, only one company still manufactures 3D television. That's LG. Never caught on. Even some cool things were done with the Sony televisions where if both people wore um, the 3D glasses, you could have two games on one television screen because the glasses would let it show one game on to one person and one game to the other person. Still didn't catch on. Still was silly. Same thing I see with the VR. Marketing. They didn't give it to LeBron James. They didn't give it to LeBron. So, so LeBron James, so I'm LeBron telling you, James anybody out there doing VR, you got to go talk to LeBron go James. Go talk to LeBron James. You know how many kids Optimus was sold because of LeBron, LeBron James? James. And, and LeBron not James. Even, not even, what's up, Blake Griffin? LeBron James sold the hell out of kid cars. I mean, Dr. Dre beats for Dre. It's so because LeBron James and NBA players had him. I'm pretty sure if you see more people in... in uh, this asset of social media and big name stars and celebrities using these products, they're really giving their backing behind these products. But the, you have to think about something like the the hoverboards. You know that was that was celebrity endorsed when it first came out. Those and shits blew up until they started blowing up. Yeah, and now they're gone. Yeah. So it's, that's why that's and that's why I say the same thing because right now you've got Facebook on the VR tip with Oculus. And a lot of people lost faith in Oculus when they bought they got bought by Facebook. Um, I I necessarily didn't. I, I just don't trust Facebook. I don't. I just don't. Um, I don't trust Facebook to have the users in experience in mind. I, I see it as a way for them to try to capitalize and have some kind of VR commercials and stuff popping up in your face, like like uh, Tom Cruise and, and and I guess so. You don't think like they're gonna actually use this? As a device to entertain. No, it's it's been almost three, four years at this point, and we have yet to see the one thing, the killer application that makes me want to get VR. Like playing all your games. Like I, I had an Oculus. I had an Oculus Rift test test kit, and to have the Oculus Rift and play games with the headset was it kind of cool to see it in 3D? Yes, it was kind of cool to see it in 3D. But I was just sitting there in a chair, turning my head left and right. You'll be surprised how some people find that exciting. I had a friend of mine, he literally sat there for an hour and a half watching the same videos over and over. So I think once you start implementing gaming in, in, into the gaming realm, you know, that's just for the casual user. But once you start implementing video games where you can interact with it and you feel more in touch with your surroundings. What about the cost, though? I think that's, the, for me, I feel like that's the biggest prohibitive thing. With the with the HTC Vive, you're paying eight hundred. You're paying eight hundred dollars. You've got you get a headset, and you get two basically Wiimotes, like better Wiimotes. You still got to have a computer to run it. You can't have a cheap machine. It's got to be a machine that you're going to spend at least about two grand on, maybe. Um, and you've got all that stuff, and then you got to plug it in, and you're tethered to something, so you can't right, walk so around. Can't, yeah, yeah. Um, and then as the system gets, as technology goes forward, then you get stuck in the same console mindset where you got to buy a new headset every how many months. Um, PlayStation VR has tried to address that with console players, but nobody's playing it. No one's really playing PlayStation VR. It's making people motion sick. 
has been the biggest complaint. The headset's not as good as like an Oculus or even HTC kind of is at the top of that tier. Um, and Oculus has done something in the last past two months that is actually, I think, is good. They've lowered the price of their whole system by $200. So the Oculus is now the cheapest professional-built system to get into. But the other problem is that they also both have their own ecosystems. Steam has its, uh, HTC has Steam VR, and then Oculus has the Oculus Store. Tell me this. Uh, will the motion, sis- motion sickness start to decrease as you use it more? Not for everybody. Okay. Because I used to get motion sick off and I, I sound like a pussy when I say this. But the first person shooter just make me dizzy. Okay. That's just the motion. Yeah, and just and how you have to constantly move around. I used to just, it would give me a headache after a while. And then after playing it long enough, eventually, I just got to I got adjusted to it. No, what they're, what they're finding on the medical front is that actually sometimes women are more susceptible to the motion sickness. But a lot of people are people, if you hadn't eaten before a year, you know, kind of, same thing with 3D movies. You know, they told you there was a way to watch 3D movies in, in the theater. You had to watch the middle ground. Okay. Which is silly to me because I paid to watch the whole movie, right, not just the middle home. part of the movie. Um, you know, I will say, having used the HTC Vive and the Oculus, I prefer the HTC Vive because of the controllers. But I haven't used the new Magic um, Touch controllers for the Oculus. I plan on getting, I plan on buying a, a, a finished Oculus. I had an Oculus pre-production kit, which I got rid of. Um, but I plan on getting the finished Oculus now that it's only it's only six hundred instead of eight. Um, but it's interesting. But I don't know if everything is in place yet. You know, a lot of things like being able to move in VR. Because you can be within a room space, but then you're having to use teleportation to get from room to room to room to room to room. So that breaks the immersion because you can't just walk to the actual other room. Would augmented reality fit into the realm of VR? I'm glad you brought that up. Because I like the idea of augmented reality more than I like the idea of VR. I think augmented reality will be the real big. Using your environment to play the game in versus being ported into an environment. I had the chance to um, actually play with a Microsoft HoloLens and they had the Minecraft app running. And I'm not even a Minecraft player. But seeing it that way made me want to play Minecraft. Because Minecraft was in my was was in the space we were in. It was on the table, it was on the wall, it was on the bookshelf, and I was able to walk up to parts of the board and interact with the actual game. And I wasn't being closed off from the people in the room around me. So I was still very aware of my of my environment. And I didn't feel isolated. But I could make myself isolated if I chose to. With VR, you're going to be isolated no matter what you do. Because right. you're wearing a headset. And you've right. got headphones on or whatever else. Um, so I, I feel like that AR technologies will probably be the the bigger of the two. Um, there was a demo, and I don't, I don't remember, I haven't seen anything since then, but there was a Microsoft demo where they had a projection system that came with like the Xbox One, or was supposed to come with the Xbox One, or maybe it was going to come with Scorpio, but it showed the projectors projecting the game into the room that you were in. So it went beyond your television, and it was right, able to project out right. into that room, so you're in the environment, you're not wearing some silly kind of special glasses, you were just able to look at it, and you're like, "Holy crap!" And like I'm in my room. And, and the fact that it could pick up the stuff in your room and use it as like, "Okay, this is a 
uh, area to hide behind. This is that. Because, I mean, I care for the days of laser tag. <laughs> now, you know, there is a, there is a virtual reality um, laser tag place in, I believe it is out in Oregon. They actually put a computer on your back. And you wow. wear a VR headset. And you walk around through the environment. It's just like a big warehouse. Walk around through the environment. And then you're seeing the virtual world through the goggles. And it's mapped out where the walls and stuff are. So you don't just run into a wall like an idiot. I probably still would because, you know, I get down like that. Um, but that's that, that's an interesting one, too. That's an you interesting one, too. You with the computer on my back. Yeah, you got to walk around with a computer on your back. Because <laughs> there's no other way. That's the other thing. Like you talk, We talk about, like, you know, um, HTC has room scale. They have the ability to do things in the scale of the room and know where your walls are in your room. Right. But you're still tethered to your to the cables that connect you to the computer. So if you're going to do some kind of moving experience... You're going to have to be tethered to that. Now, we talked about a little bit in the beginning, a little bit earlier with the with the whole um, with the whole kind of mobile aspect to it. I think Samsung has the right idea. Samsung's killing it, attaching it to your phone. Yeah, it, it is your phone, and it's 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 basically it's the same buy-in price. You know, uh, Galaxy um, a Samsung S S seven was like seven hundred bucks when it came out. Right, but when I bought my S seven, they gave me a headset. It was free, came with it. And the funny thing is, is that the headset's made by Oculus, so the optics are the same glass optics that Oculus uses in their actual Oculus headset that they sell for six hundred dollars. Hmm. Samsung's version is ninety nine dollars, but the phone is still seven hundred. So you got to you got to keep that factor in there. right because they're gonna make their money on the phone. Yeah, but the phone screen is it has enough pixels to to have a two K image to have a two K experience. Um, it's just the very the one I got. I got the S seven um, headset. The thing that I find and this is kind of what I was talking about before about having to change out headsets. Every time a new Samsung phone comes out, a new headset has to come out with it. Right. So the S eights are about to come out. So there's a new S eight. Headset that you can get for free with T-Mobile. I don't know if other carriers are doing the same thing, but I'm a T-Mobile user, so you know there it is. Um, but this time around, they, it comes with a controller, which is going to change the game. Cause yes, because now you can. Because I think the thing that threw me off when I tried the uh, VR headset was there was no hand motion. Yeah, I, I felt I felt attached, but yet detached. My vision, my eyes were telling me one thing, but the rest of my body was not receiving. The world out. You're just sitting there. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know. You were still swinging. You just didn't see your hands swinging <laughs> in front of you. Swinging with you. You okay. were still. You were moving. It was. Hold still moving your hands. Hold up. Like oh Hold up. Move. This this guy looks kind of crazy. I played on the S7 headset and I felt like Cyclops from the X Men. <laughs> Because the tracking pad <laughs> is on the character. It's on the right side of the headset, so my you have favorite. to use your fingers. Yes. I was like optic blast, and I mean I could hear it in my head every time that I put my finger there to move something. The most underrated character in the whole series. Well, it's all that. about Logan. No man. <laughs> no, I mean he was cool, but everybody dick rolled Logan. We get off topic. Nah, nah, nah. But I do agree with you. Augmented reality. I, I, I mean, again, I think VR is no different from the mobile realm. And once they figure out how to um, make it cost effective. 
that'll be the biggest thing. I think people are interested in it because nowadays technology is changing so fast. It is about what is the next big thing. It's not like back in the day where like CD players came out. It was like, oh, snap. It's a CD player. And CD players were big for like five, six years. Like, things are changing at such a rapid pace. You only have maybe about a year and a half, two years to get adjusted to something and a new version is coming out. Even with, we got lucky with the Xbox console that it lasted so long. But we didn't look at the fact that within that time it was out, the 360 was out, how many variations of the 360 were there? Because it went from the big bulky into by the time the console was done, it was a slender version of the actual 360. And you know what though? I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm okay with it being refined. And, you know, because you're right. When it first came out, it was almost like a prototype. Yeah. And that's, you know, everybody was getting Red Ring of Death when, when Xbox hey, first came hey, out. Hey, you're getting like that. three and four consoles <laughs> because you'd send off one and Microsoft would be like, here's your console. And then next week you get another one. And they're like, sorry for the wait. And you're like, I have two now. And then you sell the other one on eBay. Not that I did that. Not that I did that at all. I but um, I think there's a there's a thing about research and development. I think that's... And that's one thing I want we want to I want to do with this show is be able to talk about some of the behind the scene things that gamers usually are not as privy to, um, because there is a point of research and development where you know they put a lot of money into researching and developing the original Xbox, well the 360 rather, and then as time went on they were able to refine the process, make it lighter, make it more power efficient, make it run cooler. I'm okay because they didn't force me to have to get a new system. I could have kept my old crappy big white box until it died. Until it died, or I could have done like me and have like four, you know, collector edition consoles. So they didn't force me to. I feel like this time around, Sony's forcing you to get the PlayStation Pro. They tell you that you still can have the same experience. Nah, but you can't. You can't. If you want the 4K experience, and then 4K doesn't even have a real foothold yet, so they're kind of just doing stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not happy that they are kind of making that push on people. Nor the Scorpio project. I'm just, I'm just I don't know. I'm just not happy with. And I'm not even, I'm not even console gaming right now, so it doesn't even affect me. Yeah, not console guys. Time to upgrade my device. <laughs> so I can get better usage out of these mobile games I'm playing. So you've gone completely mobile. Um, I'm not going to say that. I do. I mean, there are games that come out. And and actually, this is a good segue into my next question. Um, I do like console games, but I got tired of how they were ripping us off, especially with DLC. Oh, no. The dreaded DLC. The DLC. DLC started off as... And for people that might not know, what is DLC? Digital downloadable content. content. Downloadable content. Downloadable content was initially created to extend the life of a game. Uh, even though original games didn't need life extension, the game was so damn awesome you would play <laughs> the exact same shit over the same game over and over. I and saved over. the princess like nine hundred times. Nine hundred times, exactly. I have stock invested in her. But <laughs> <laughs> in another castle. But, at the same time, um, it did help. Uh, one of the biggest games that just blew DLC out of the water when they decided to use it was Borderlands, in my opinion, in the original okay. down downloadable content era. Uh, it just expanded the hell out of that game. I'll agree with you. I think the first game that I remember having downloadable content that I actually played was Grand Theft Auto 4. 
and that extended the life. And it was it was interesting because it was a marketing tool for Microsoft to bring users to that experience because they had an exclusive. Because up until that time, up until Xbox 360, you got to remember that uh, GTA was on PlayStation. True. So you couldn't get it on Xbox system. So Xbox, Microsoft kind of went to Rockstar and said, hey, look, we want a killer app for our game system. And we want you, to, we, we also want you to do what we call, you know, we want you to extend the story with the Ballad of Gay Tony. And I can't remember the other one that came out with the original uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. But there were two DLCs. Uh, well, I think one was like a biker DLC or something like that. Uh, nah, I told you I was a hipster. Yeah. Not playing what everyone else is Not playing what everyone else is playing, okay. Those were the cool kids. <laughs> but those those extended that game. But I will agree, like Borderlands, the Borderlands 2 kind of killed it for me with Ooh. DLC. Um, a company right now that's doing the right thing with DLC, you know, as we get into this discussion about how some companies are doing it bad... I think that um, CD Projekt Red is doing the right thing with DLC. With the Witcher franchise, they gave all the DLC for free. And the DLC was not just like a one or two mission thing. The DLC, they could have easily charged 15 to 20 bucks for that DLC. It probably made the money because the Witcher is such an engrossing game. Um, But they gave it to the fans. They They were like, here, here's more cool stuff that we want to give you. Because you believe in us and we believe, and we want to thank you as fans. Um, but I think there's a dark side of DLC. It's extreme dark side to DLC when they start stripping the content from the game to create DLC for you to purchase. Therefore, the game that you're originally supposed to purchase and all this content has been spread out over a period of time to extend the life. And my example of that is Mortal Kombat, personally. <laughs> Which one? The new one? The, the Mortal Kombat X. Mortal Kombat X. Okay, Several I Several characters in Mortal Kombat X that are in the game. You know they're in the game because you have to play them throughout the story mode. But yet they're not accessible as characters. Later on they get dropped as... And I called this with my peers. So I invested in DLC because I knew eventually they paid $20 a pop. I think it was two or three DLCs total. So anywhere from $15 to $20 a pop for each one of those downloadable contents. Maybe more. can't remember off the top of my head. And now if you go purchase Mortal Kombat X, or they call it Triple X, Triple XL, you get the whole dog whole package. You get everything. For the regular price of the game. And the game has only been out for like maybe a year and a half, two years. So it took them two years to give you the whole complete entire game. And is it what's it selling? What's it selling price? Is it selling for I think it's less than the original cost. That's crazy. You know, the, I think one of the something that, that gets me, especially when it comes to DLC. Right now is, I agree with you, features being taken out. Some people remember the original fiasco around Metro Last Light or it might have, yeah, Metro Last Light where there was a mode which was Ranger mode, which was a higher difficulty level, which was only accessible by by pre-purchasing the game. Um, And then later on, they made it DLC where you could download it. And I don't understand that. Like, so you already programmed the higher difficulty level into the game. You turned it off and put it behind a paywall so that either I would pre-purchase your game, which makes me mad, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy your product, mm-hmm. or I can pay for it later on, um, which once again makes me mad and not want to buy your product. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with the idea of DLC, and I'm okay paying to extend my game, 
But I agree with you. I don't think that I should have to pay for something that I should have got in the first place. That's like getting the game and not having the having like the start button. <laughs> Yo, you gotta pay in order to have the green button to start this game. Yeah, the start button for this game is an extra fifty cent. Like that's what I kind of feel like they've turned DLC into. It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, um, here here's this, here's that, or you know. Some of it gets just kind of silly. Like some of the DLC, I feel like the mobile realm has invaded console gaming to the fact of here's a new color hat for your character to wear in Resident Ooh, Evil 5. Because they so got me with that. And, uh, what was it? Star Wars. Uh, the one with the star killer. Oh, Battlefront? No, no. On uh, 360. It, mm. was the, it had two installments of it. Uh, well, no, you know I hate Star Wars. I, I mean, some people do. I'm a Star. I'm a Trekkie. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Rogue One. Oh, snap. Okay, so about to get off subject. My Clash Royale finally downloaded. It okay. is exactly what I thought it was. They're doing the exact same thing in Clash of Clans. Let me see where you purchase your cards. Is there a lot of new content? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of new levels, baby. Whole bunch of new characters. They're smart about this, also. But I get into that later. Um, but they one of the old Star Wars games got me with that in the beginning because it was just costumes or skins. Yeah, me paying ten dollars for extra skin just to, that didn't even really change the feel of the game. It was just the same play, uh, gameplay. It's just the person looked different, and I think that was a a rip off. But um, yeah, DLC. It's kind of changing my the way I, I look at game and purchasing games, but um, no disrespect to the average gamer, but we don't really put use our our power of purchase to dictate what these industries do or these companies do. I agree like with that. Stop purchasing that game. Uh, uh, old colleague of mine used to say, it, you know, someone said, "What would you do?" Well, you could do a lot. Don't buy that game. And voice your opinion on why you're not buying that game. They'll fix it. I, I mean, I, and I agree with you. I, I think that I'm the same way about pre-order. I pre-order on PC. As I say right now, I'm a PC, I'm a PC gamer uh, primarily. I have 949 games on Steam. And they're all digital. I can download them to any computer that I have. They're there. But the thing that happens on PC is that console gamers subsidize us PC gamers. Because you're buying the games at 60 bucks, and on PC, we're getting the same games day one for probably $10 less. Discounted price. Because there's no physical thing to move around anywhere. Which has always been my mindset. If I'm going to buy it digitally, then it should be cheaper than it would be if I bought it in the store. Uh, console hasn't figured that out yet. Because games that are on... Uh, Xbox Gold or Xbox uh, One platform, they seem to be the same price as their store-bought counterparts when they first come out. And it's like, hey, you're not having to spend as much money to get this to my hands. So where's the love? Um, But some of these special editions have gotten outrageous. I didn't believe I would ever see pre-order special editions at $100 for games. Um, I was one of those people that went into Division in the very beginning, I I will admit it. I'm a, I love Ubisoft. I even I love EA. I mean, I you love know, Ubisoft. I I love Ubisoft. I love EA. 
Um, I interned at EA for a long, long time ago. Um, I think that they do, they're doing, they're, they're doing really good pieces. I think that some parts of the equation are kind of off. But with Division, Division left me really, really pissed off in the end game. Because I didn't feel like there was a whole game. I felt like I was playing a really good demo. Yes. Now, I, I did take my money and put it into Wildlands. Wildlands feels like a, like a complete game. Wildlands feels like what Division was trying to be. And I think that they actually figured it out and they built Wildlands and it was like, okay, you know, Division was a test and now here's a real game based off of what we thought was going to be cool. Um, cause you did Division 2, didn't you? Did you? I didn't purchase it, but someone let me use it as their DLC as a, uh, did you game, a game exchange. Okay. And, uh, I rocked it that way, but, um, no. Nah. I couldn't rock with Division. I, I was I was suspect of what it was going to be. I become very suspicious about a lot of different games, so I can't just go in and purchase it anymore just based off of what we think it's going to be. Well, I I think another question would come down to, um, what do you see as gaming community like from playing on console? You know, we we played on console together for probably three years. And there was like maybe six of us that all played together. Um, and... We're talking about DLC, right? Yeah. So, you know, as we were, we were talking about... Um, with DLC and everything else that's out there... How do you how do, how do companies fix this? Like, how do they fix the DLC debacle? I mean, do you think they shouldn't just they should not have DLC? No, I no think, I think DLC, DLC has changed the way we play games. Um, I think if if it goes back to its original purpose, which was to extend the life of a game, not because the life I mean the life of most games are only a couple of days. When you think about well, you, depending on the title, well, you, the, the title. you have to think about the fact of you know um, my significant other. She she plays one game. I still consider her a gamer because she has her little DS and everything else. <laughs> and uh, but she plays one game religiously, and she had seventeen hundred hours in the original game, right? And she's already racked up about three hundred hours in. The new game. And the game I'm talking about... Skyrim. 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 Bethesda Skyrim. Skyrim. She had 1,700 hours in the original Skyrim. And she's already put about 400 hours into the special edition. And we say addiction. Addiction. Addiction meter. And the thing about it is, the game's no different. They just made it look a little bit prettier. She knows all the quest lines and everything else. <laughs> But she still plays it because it's a comfort. Um, I can't play Skyrim. I try. I suck at Skyrim. I came out, you know, because I'm so aggressive and I'm used to playing first-person shooters. I was swinging at stuff and I saw a, a giant troll. I was like, look, giant troll. And he smacked me to the moon. <laughs> and I said, F this. I'm out. I'm not playing this anymore. Um, my game of addiction from Bethesda is Fallout. I mean, same type of game, 
Um, but I like I being able to thing. walk around, scrab, uh, scavenge for stuff. You know, they finally did do a lot of fixes with that. But what I was going to say is I think DLC extended both of those games. DLC extended Skyrim because they had like three DLCs to come out. Um, and then Fallout, with Fallout 4, their DLC release was kind of weird. They did Far Harbor. They did Nuka Cola World. Um, which were big DLC pieces, and then they did smaller DLC pieces, but none of them were over twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was I was willing to pay that. Or you could have bought um, the, the, you know what? And this leads into something. This is another question that's going to ask about roundabout DLC. What do you think about the season pass? Woo. The season pass has become the holy grail of stank. Yes. On games. Trying to get me for my money. Trying to get me for my dollar dollar bills, y'all. Get me for my money. Because the game that I can think of right now that kind of jacked that up, and it's another EA game. I'm not, I'm really not hammering on EA. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, was uh, Battlefield. No, Battle Battlefront. Star Wars, Star Wars Battlefront. Battlefront. Which, I played that game. The game is beautiful. Technically beautiful. But there's nothing to do. There's no story. Yeah, it's there's, pretty much war. It's just first. It's just first person shooter. Just war, baby. Yeah, it's just Battlefield with Star Wars on top of it, which was weird because you know somebody would get a uh, Boba Fett and just kill everybody, <laughs> or they would get one of the hero characters, and then there's really nothing you could do except like die. Um, game looked really great, but then nothing came out for it, and you really only got something if you. Bought the uh, the season pass for it. So what what's your thoughts on those? What, do you, what about um, the season passes? I think season passes are the way to uh, slick talk us into making early investments into a product that we don't really have a clue on what it's going to be like. I think we still getting you know I, I I hate to say it but I think season passes are almost as bad as. The whole deal, how what DLC is what DLC has become. Yep. So, what did you think of? Uh, and this really wasn't a season. This was kind of a hybrid of the two. Because Destiny had the the whew. and Destiny is supposed to be changing its model for Destiny Two. It's gonna, I think, it's supposed to be on PC for one. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people were upset that it wasn't. That it never made it to PC in the first place. But the game that I was gonna, I was thinking about, which we, you know, we still talk about Destiny, but I'm thinking about uh, Hitman. The new Hitman from uh, from Square Enix. They that how they selling you chapters instead of they, selling you an entire. You could either game. buy the chapters or you could buy the whole entire game. I think that's a cool concept because that's exactly what uh, Killer Instinct did with their installment of uh, the new installment of Killer Instinct on the uh, Xbox One. Xbox One. Okay. Because instead of you having to purchase the whole game, they gave you the game for free. No different from what you're doing in mobile apps. Okay. Adopting a mobile app theory. Mobile, Apple, mobile app theory. Free game. And you purchase the characters. Because let's be real, you're not going to play with all 20 characters no. in the game. You probably have a handful of characters that you enjoy playing with. Because most people are playing games online. There's not a whole lot of, I'm playing, I'm sitting next to you playing my game. You're not inviting your boy over to play your game no more. You tell him to go home. Hop <laughs> online. Hey, hop on and let's play this game. So... Even, even okay, even in my situation with my friends, where we have two Xboxes in the same house, in the same space, you still playing on two different consoles. <laughs> so, you know, I thought it was a great idea. Each character was anywhere between, uh, depending on if it was discounted during the uh, gold sale or something, like sale that, yeah. or something. It was between a dollar to five dollars for a character. 
Instead okay. of you shelling $69 out for an entire game that you know you don't really know if you want to invest in for a whole bunch of characters that you might not even play this game for a month. You know, it doesn't hurt to spend 5 or $10 on a character. And you always, they'll be there. So I think that's a pretty dope idea of how they're selling you portions of the game if you want to play it that way, if you don't want to buy the whole time. Yeah, and some people some people were like, oh, they're, gra- they're doing a cash grab. Um, but I, I looked at it because I bought I bought Hitman. I have most of the newer games that are out on PC. So I, I did buy Hitman, and I waited until they had a sale, and I just bought the whole game for like $39. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was very interesting that I could buy the prologue, which was like the first mission and I believe the Paris mission you got for $15. So then if you wanted the rest of it, you would pay another $39 and get the whole game when it all came out. Okay. But I think that was a cool way for them. Because I think it was a thing about development time. So I think that they weren't completely done with the game. You know, it gets into something. Um, maybe we'll say that for our next show. But getting into something um, about games being released too early. And mm-hmm. they're not, not being finished when they're released. Um but I think that that whole download model was something very interesting because you were able to, like you said, try the game. Because that's something that kind of fell away. Um, when I was in the gaming, when I was still in the gaming industry and still working with companies out there, we were still very much putting out demos. There were demos. Oh, yeah, the demos were. The that, demos were so game killed back us. In the day. They, as, as a game designer, that killed us because you were putting so much time into this demo. And almost what was going to be the game rested on that demo. So if the, if the game wasn't as good as even the demo was, you were sunk. Now they just show you some screenshots. They're like, here, here's some screenshots of what the game might look like. And then you're like, oh, okay. Here's my money, I guess. Can I have it back? They're like, no. Um, but for back then, it was a lot of money to have to get the demos and stuff like that. Like, get those out. Like times to in, in into that, but I felt like the demo sold the game. The demos did sell the game. I mean, I bought some real crappy games off of the demo. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi Power Battles. Woo, Conan. Conan. Which one? The oh man, was that the three sixty one? Three sixty Conan. I had the three. I didn't think that one was that bad. Somebody gave me hell for playing that game. Oh, I thought the game was but okay. I think DLC. Is, I mean, it, they can make a game or they can break a game. Season pass is just. Really, I think that is more of a cash grab on um, a lot of games. Just trying to get as much up front because they know that they might have a half-assed product that's not going to be there. So let me get as much money off you as I possibly can in the beginning before my game comes out. And you realize that. I do too anyway. Um, Seriously. Because the crazy part about season passes are after a few months after they drop and they get ready to move on to the next one, the season pass that you were supposed to buy that you're supposed to get at a discounted rate in the beginning and save money on, they end up dropping the price on that season pass anyway. Or yeah. they or they create a bundle. Yeah. Like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Because you, you can buy the season pass for Mortal Kombat and get all the content that was going to come out. Usually season passes are going for like the 30 bucks yeah. a pop. So on top of the 60 you're paying for the game, you're spending a, you're you're spending 100 bucks. That's a, that's something that I've found very interesting, especially have, having gone back to PC gaming um, from Xbox. Like I like I mentioned earlier in the show, I plugged in my 360 for the first time in four years. Surprise! It even came on. It was it was the um, still got mine. the Gears of War special edition one, so it makes that that stupid Gears of War sound when it opens up. Um, but 
the thing that was so weird is that I'm not a gold member because I don't play Xbox like that anymore. So I don't have my gold subscription for $99 a year, which I don't even think they do that family $99 a year anymore. Um, so I couldn't get cloud saves. <laughs> and I couldn't look at some of the games to buy because I'm not a gold member. So I've got to buy your system for 300 bucks. I gotta buy your game, and then I have to buy for access to your network. Yeah, come on, come on. There's a point. There's a point of no return, um, because for for me, for Steam, I can download Steam for free. I can play with anybody I want to. I can even mod my game if I if it has a Steam Workshop connection, so I can add new crap to my game if I want to, because I have the skill set to do that. Then on console, I can't do any of those things, but I gotta pay out the butt for all this season passes and. And uh, gold and everything else. I think he. I think something just happened. He's playing a mobile game. Ooh, the boy still got in the Clash Royale. Son. Oh, he just Clash Royale. Boy just got his. Oh, he didn't see it coming. It was nasty. <laughs> it was so nasty. Should we give a shout out to this person that just died? Oh, oh man, I can't see who you were, but shout out to person who but I just kicked in the middle of this <laughs> conversation. Clash Royale. Clash Royale. But um. Honestly, the, the, the DLC, I don't think that stuff is going to ever change. I don't think, you know, it's not enough people acknowledging what is happening within the DLC realm and just what's happening with games and how they're evolving and how they, you know, it's kind of like they don't realize until it's too late and they're already in the quicksand and they're deep in the quicksand. It's like, so is it DLC is the quicksand of the yeah, gaming industry? Yeah, the quicksand of the gaming industry because people are still paying $60 pop and $30, $150 a pop. For season passes now, like, I feel like the cost of season passes has gone up. Yeah, uh, you know, I know the season special pass, edition bundles, bundle editions, special editions, editions are getting out of hand. Like I and I almost did it. I'm that much of a nerd. I almost bought <laughs> the special edition for Fallout Four because it came with a Pit Boy, right? See, but it but it came with something really freaking awesome though. It came with something really freaking awesome. Still, because you can never get that back. And I think that's the thing. You know, the, the pictures that I rocked on Instagram, which you can go check them out at DRD Media on, on, uh, on Instagram. B but I posted a lot of pictures. I, had a, I have two Virtual Boys, which is a system that most people never played from Nintendo. But it was an awesome... It was, virtual, it was a virtual reality system. It was a headset. Okay. Um, it was all was red though. Yeah, it was all red. Like you, everything you saw was in red. Uh, it was. It really hurt your eyes to look at it for a very long time. It's like worse than the Game Boy. But they had like ten games that came out for the Virtual Boy. It was heavy. Like you had to have a big head to hold it up. <laughs> I feel would like have problems with that. It had a stand. Like it had a stand where you sit it on the table and you put your face in it. Like that was the Virtual Boy. Um, but I own a piece of hit of gaming history yeah. that not a lot of people own. I have a I have a Jaguar. I have an Atari Jaguar. Ooh, you got to be a baller. I, I have a I have a um, Sega Saturn, which most people never got to understand the beauty of the Saturn because it died before it even got big enough. I have a Dreamcast. Well, Dreamcast was one of the best systems besides the Nintendo systems in the mid nineties. Um, and without the Sega Saturn, without the without the Dreamcast and Sega Saturn. We wouldn't even have, have Xbox. Right, we wouldn't even have Xbox because that Dreamcast, basically, the Xbox controller is the Dreamcast. It is the Dreamcast controller. It is that Microsoft controller. teamed up with Sega to um, Sega. do research and development, 
and be able to build a system because Microsoft had never built a game system before. The original Xbox was running Windows 2000. And it was, when you look back at the original Xbox now, it's hard to believe it ever existed. Because it was like a VCR. It was like as big as a VCR. <laughs> it was. With this big, big, huge Woo. X symbol in the middle, like X-Men had taken it. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. Like I say, I think for like the special editions, like I own a piece of history that is a part of gaming history. You know, I have a friend that has a Rob Robot. Those are Ooh, the hardest things to find. Super super oh yeah, Ooh, there was only back, one game. NES. There was only one game that came out for Rob the Robot, and it was a horrible game. But he has it. I mean, I have an original uh, gray NES Zapper, which those are illegal. <laughs> Why do you? Why? They were illegal because kids were using them as play guns, and back in the mid '80s, some kids got shot playing with the uh, Zapper. They pulled a Zapper on a cop. Oh, so if you look, the newer zappers were orange and white. So that's they, why the Super Nintendo had a bazooka. Yeah, you can't mistake that for for no, you know you like can't. a like you a ruger. Can't. No, you can't. Unless you you know, and, and I had one of those too. If you laugh at that, I have one of those. I have that Super Scope Six. It had like Super one game. Scope Six had one. It had all. It had a six in one game that came with it, and you had like nine batteries to put in this thing. I forgot about that. Yeah, Super Scope. Six. Super Scope Six. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that at least looking at it now, you know, I know we've talked about a lot of stuff and it's kind of an overview retrospective, but, you know, I think gaming has changed and I guess we can end this off with and, and we both can kind of go through it. You know, what are your, what are your five things that you think is going to happen in the next 10 years of gaming? What do you see gaming going in the next 10 years? What are five things that you see? I think, um, the level of interaction is going to increase. Okay. Um, I don't think we're going to be limited to um, just your television in about a 10-year span. Okay. I don't think, uh, I mean, I'm not trying, this is not going to sound crazy, but I mean, in another 10, 15 years, it's going to be a lot of old people who die off and televisions aren't going to be as popular. A lot of people who watch, I know more people who use mobile devices who don't have televisions and just watch what they want to watch off their mobile device. Okay. So it's going to be about you being able to access this, access this stuff on the go. So that's why I think the augmented reality is going to be dope because, you know, you got the cloud. You can keep your information. You can connect with people over the cloud. And you're going to have to use the environment you're in to play the video game versus you having to go to a specific spot to play the video game. Okay. And sit down and invest in a certain amount of time. Um I, I, I can't call cost. It just depends on where we're at economically. And um, I'm calling it now. I think Nintendo's going to be on the forefront of the next revolution and the next big change of gaming. I'll agree with that. I think that Nintendo, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in another episode, but I think the Nintendo Switch is, as they iterate it, like this first generation of Switch, I would not buy the first generation of Switch. Oh, no. Um, I wouldn't buy the first generation of any console at this point. Um, they've got to have at least one product life cycle for me for, for me, me to want to invest right, in it. Right, because I bought first generation of the uh, one, and I don't want to sound like I regret my purchase, but... It's like you regret your purchase. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I should have waited another year. Yeah, the Xbox One S has Bluetooth controllers, which the original one still has the radio controllers. Um, and a lot of people like that because you can hook those uh, Xbox One S controllers to your computer and have the same experience across both. 
Yeah, for me, I think the next thing for the next big five for me in the, in, in the next ten year span, um, I think that consoles will go away. Yep. In the next ten years, I give you that. Um, and I think that because I, I see more stuff moving towards a cloud based uh, structure where you can have access to it anywhere. Companies like Sega has have proven that you do not have to be a hardware manufacturer to still be relevant. Right. Sega is still very relevant in the gaming world, and they have not done a console since the Dreamcast. Um, now Sega, now Mar- now uh, Sonic is kind of sad. Like they need to do something for Sonic. He's sad. He's <laughs> Sonic had his chance, man. Sonic had his he's, chance. He's man. done. He got knuckled out when they added knuckles and knuckles out. Okay, he got that pun out. intended. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I think the other thing is that I think augmented reality will have a bigger hold than VR will. Because um, I haven't seen a killer VR app. I haven't seen anything that is killer VR. And I think as we even enter VR, VR is already antiquating itself from the resolution that can be displayed on the glasses. Um, I've actually had a chance to test out some Chinese, a Chinese manufacturer called Pimax. They make a headset for $400. And it's already it's 4K, it's uh, and neither neither the Vive nor the uh, Oculus are, are 4K displays, um, so I, I think that VR will will change and kind of die back. Um, the other thing is I see uh, I see a a bigger consolidation of the gaming world. You know, a lot of people haven't paid attention to it over the last couple of years, but there's not as many big time gaming companies. You've got True. the you've got the strength of the of the pillars. You've got you EA, got you got Activision, Ubisoft, and that's kind of it now. Like they have every because BioWare is is an EA company. It's an EA company. Um, you know, Criterion uh, Games is an EA company. Uh, Activision and Blizzard partnered together, so anything coming out from Blizzard it's is an Activision product. The, it's actually more about the small name. Yeah, so, Sledgehammer Games and all those guys that do all the Call of Duty games, they're actually subsidiaries of Activision. So it's not like they can do it without them. Um, so I, I see the I see the industry kind of consolidating even more. Uh, one thing that I, I want to get into in another conversation is kind of how the industry's changed with um, the lift of the ten year ban. In China, China no longer has a ten, has the ten year ban of console gaming in China is now over. So China has entered the has entered the world market for gaming now. Um, they're actually producing their own game system for Japan, and they have invested heavily in American companies. And they now are. Um, and then this is kind of a little bit of offset, and this sets up for our next for our next show. Um, there's a company called Tencent. Tencent has made a media investment. In Epic Games, and just right here in Georgia, they made a huge investment into um, High Res Studios. So those two companies would would because they have investment money, they're going to have to make games for Tencent's console they're coming out with, which looks like an Xbox so and a PS4. Basically, they have first party, yes, first party developers, yes, and those systems will not be exported out of out of China. So there will be games that are only for mainland China and nowhere else. So they're about Are to they wreck shooting it. themselves in the foot. I don't think so. I don't. I really don't think so. You know, a people lot of there's gonna be a lot of people traveling. To China. A lot of people gonna be pissed <laughs> and be like, "I want to play that game," and they'll be like, "You can't. You You're not in China. China. You better go to China." You know, it's like what they say. What's the what's the president saying? America first. They saying China first. China first. Um, the other thing that, that I say is, uh, I think that 
peripherals. The next they're going to be a big change of peripherals. I mean, we've been using we've been using controllers like the standard Xbox controller has become the dominant controller. True. Um, for me, I've been playing with the Steam controller because I'm a PC gamer. I don't I can't say I completely love the the Steam controller, but it's an interesting concept as opposed to just 360 controller. Um, you get a lot. You get a lot of different movement out of that control. So I think there'll be another shakeup in the control controller yeah, arena. I think the Wii had a chance. It just didn't get. It just didn't. It just didn't catch on. Didn't catch on fast that tablet thing, and and that's the other thing too. I see a convergence. Of if there is some type of console still left, I see it as more the convergence of what you know. People are making fun of what Nintendo's done with the Switch, but I think the Switch shows off true convergence. And, and it's really tapping into the whole. It's. It's main market, the, the mobile game, they always, which is no different. Nintendo's always been better in a handheld market than they ever have in yeah, a console market. And, and a phone is no different from a handheld. It's not. So it's more people who are accustomed to handhelds nowadays who would invest in a handheld console. Because it goes back to the same thing. You don't have as much time and people don't sit still as long to sit in front of a game for that long period of time. And it's like it's like I say, I, and I look at the fact that like going back to the to the point of... Um, of consoles not lasting. If you look at what Xbox has done over the last past year, you can now stream your Xbox One to your PC. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to stream your Xbox One game to your PC unless you're trying to get me off the console and get me on the PC and get me used to playing with an Xbox controller on PC? So that's just our talk. That's what we got out there. That's what's up from that A to D. From A to D. Gaming from A to D. Hopefully you'll check out our next episode and you'll subscribe. And like I say, soon we'll have that Patreon page out there and the Twitter account out there. Um, and just find us out there and look for the next episode. Right. I've enjoyed it. I have too. My name is Asania. Asania Taylor. And I am D Essentials. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.